1: Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I 270 and MD85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1 800 Gambler. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store, so you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Bakers app and save from wherever today.
0: Bakers, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply, subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with cart. Bakers, fresh for everyone.
1: Hi everyone, it's Michael Nesmith on the Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popov, a production of Pantheon Podcasts.
0: Let's rock out with Martin. Hello, once again, Martin Popoff here, we're back with another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. Uh, we're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this is episode 96. We're going to be calling this Part 2 Albums. Uh, this is Ah, uh, kind of evolved out of a concept. Uh, I was listening to uh, two guys talking Rush, uh, John and Dan, and um, you know, I they started talking about this uh this idea. Where is Rush's sweet spot? And I don't think they have one of these. Um, this is um, this is kind of the... Uh, this will probably expand into an episode itself, but um, I've always looked at it as cusp albums, this idea of a sweet spot. I'm not going to get too into it because it will be an episode. Um, but uh, this expanded into this idea of uh, part two albums. So this is episode 96. We're calling this part two albums. Um, and we're going to be talking about albums that uh, lined up in terms of a pairing uh, with a previous album from the band. And we're not talking about true part two albums, like Bat Out of the Hell part two. I I think Frampton Comes Alive, they did a part two. Foghat Live, they did a part two. And there's, of course, Operation Mindcrime 2, and there's Joe's Garage, the original one. I think they even called it Act 1. And then they put out the double album, Acts 2 and 3. So it's not that kind of thing, although that could be an episode as well. Um, but no, this is the idea of a, of a second album from a band that really, uh, lines up, uh, defines up, uh, with the previous album. And then, you know, they, they aren't doing these pairings all the time, but we're also going to get into the idea of which of these bands had other pairings, uh, that I, that I kind of frame in my mind as a, as, as a true pairing, you know, other people might have different ideas, um but uh but these have always sort of felt uh this way in my mind uh in terms of uh the second album being part two of a set of two albums hence the title part two albums all right let's take a listen to our first selection for the day uh this is queen with white man so that's queen from a day at the races issued december 10th 1976. now uh, this album is named after a Marx Brothers movie, as is *A Night at the Opera*, the predecessor, the big, huge album that broke Queen wide open with *Bohemian Rhapsody*. Um, but uh, this one, uh, you know, forces you to think in terms of a pairing, I suppose, uh, because of the uh, similarities of the album cover art. Uh, it looks sort of like a, uh, you know, a royal or regal invitation. The same sort of uh, regal script, um, the same design. We've got a white album cover with the same sort of graphic elements and then we've got a black album cover with the same sort of graphic elements same with the back uh, you've got the centered um you know using uh kind of fancy script uh the centered song titles and a few credits um actually uh interestingly uh let me see here so uh yeah the song titles yeah the, the credits on the second album are kind of split top and bottom with the song titles in the middle and uh the first one has uh, the uh first and then the song titles but um i've always looked at these as a pair uh for the obvious reasons um you know one thing that doesn't make them a pair is uh is that a night of the opera is produced by roy thomas baker and the famous mike stone may he rest in peace uh he died at uh, 2002 complications from a booze problem that he uh had 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 for years um but roy thomas baker uh, is producing a day at the races and uh, and Mike Stone's actually engineering um all all through with Roy throughout all those classic first queen elms but um but this one, A Day at the Races, is uh, is actually self-produced, and, and Mike Stone is still in there uh, helping big time. Um, so he's the engineer, and it says produced by Queen. Uh, I think they get a great sound on it. Uh, well, l- l- let me put it this way. I think they get the same level of ambition and layering. Uh, and Ear Candy on this record that they got on Night at the Opera. Maybe not as uh, forced into the obviousness because of Prophet Song, Death on Two Legs, Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, These are more standalone, slightly more conventional songs on this record. and, and no, I, I don't think they get quite the dynamic range that they get on this album uh, as the predecessor in terms of, uh, you know, bass and treble and just hi-fi accoutrements. Um, and it was, a, it was a little bit panned out there in the marketplace. Um, I think people got a little tired of Queen. Um, but the, also this idea with the paired albums thing... Um, you know, in most cases, uh, we're talking about albums that came fairly quickly after the previous one, and that helps in the idea of pairing. Um, but also helping in the idea of pairing here is, uh, is the fact, uh, and again, this is a characteristic of this episode, is that um, you hit a lot of the same marks as you did on the previous album. So you've got, you've got your sort of carnal rockers in uh, Tie Your Mother Down, matching up with Sweet Lady, uh, I think you've got, uh, you know, you take my breath away. Feels like the mellow piano parts, you know, Freddie and piano as uh, as the likes of Bohemian Rhapsody when it's sort of mellow. You've got Long Away is this album's thirty nine, the Brian sung, uh, the Brian May, uh, folky kind of tunes. Um, you and I kind of poppy is this album's. Uh, You're my best friend sort of feel. You've got drows sung by Roger, um, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, probably the second greatest, maybe the first greatest voice in Queen, but the second greatest singer after Freddie. Um, you've got him doing drows and then he does, I'm in love with my car on the, on the previous album. Um, so you've got a lot of the same marks being hit. Um, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think the second album is as proggy as the first album in total. Yeah, you've got you've got your the the millionaire waltz uh, matching up with your seaside rendezvous and what else? Lazing on a Sunday morning, I suppose a little bit good company even. Um, so you got that 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 twenties dance hall music uh, sort of thing as another uh, mark that's hit. Um, uh, White man's a heavy one on here that doesn't really have a corollary. <laughs> Uh, if that's the right word, uh, or I even uh, pronounce that right on the first one, um, I don't think somebody to love particularly lines up. But you you get you get the drift. There are a lot of things that line up on it, including the graphics and the titling and all that. So that's why I'm considering this a paired a paired album. And I don't think Queen has any other pairings uh, that you could speak of uh, throughout the catalog. I don't think even Queen Two is particularly a pairing with uh, with one, uh, despite the you know, the strong suggestion from the titling. Um, the only other time I felt that there was somewhat of a lineup, um, but not really is, um is uh the game to hot space um but other than that i i don't really see other pairings so that's the other reason i wanted to highlight this pairing because i think it it really does stand out all right let's move on to our second selection here in history and five songs with martin popoff episode 96 part two albums take a listen to this this is ozzy osborne with s-a-t-o love that song that's my favorite song off of the uh the second aussie osborne album um so this is a pairing uh for a few reasons um so this is a I, I consider diary of a madman issued november 7th 1981 uh, quite the pairing with the debut album um blizzard of oz uh the debut was issued september 20th 1980 in the uk i i bought the import version of that early on. So I had that and then, um, it came out with some slight graphic adjustments, uh, March 27th, 1981 in the U S now, um, you know the story had been going around at the time, or if you weren't kind of paying attention, um, you know a, a rumor got out there, or at least this this narrative got out there. And you know pre-internet and all that um, information is uh, can be slightly wrong, and uh, and it doesn't really sink into everybody that it is wrong. But people used to talk about how um, you know at Ridge Farm there uh, all of these songs were recorded at the same time. That that's not true, um, but they, these albums do come out. Close together, and then you know the other thing that that uh, conflates that is that when the debut album Diary and Madman* came out March twenty seventh, nineteen eighty one, um, they had actually already finished recording the second album. So, so that's what happens there. The debut was recorded March to April nineteen eighty, and the second one was was recorded February to March nineteen eighty one. Um, so they're coming out close together, and there's this sort of overlap thing. The other thing, um, that's obviously the wrinkle that everybody sort of knows about is, um, the rhythm section on both of these is Bob Daisley on bass and Lee Kerslake, rest in peace, uh, on drums. Uh, but when the second one came out, uh, they got a little nefarious with the whole, you know, management and sharing and all that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, and because, uh, you know, Lee and, um, lee and bob were uh were you know speaking up a little bit too much about the pay situation uh they were uh unceremoniously fired and replaced by rudy sarzo and tommy aldridge and their their actual their picture you know strongly uh strongly shown uh on the inner sleeve is 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 right there um so again pre-internet you know people thought that um you know and quite sensibly that that those guys uh played on the album but it is in fact um, it is in fact, uh, Lee Kerslake and Bob Daisley. Um, so, but the other reason these records, uh, kind of line up, not so much in terms of stylistically, I think there's quite a stylistic gulf between them. I think the first one's a little, a little poppy, a little conservative. Um, you know, I always kind of joke that crazy train and I don't know, are a little disco-y. Um, but, uh, so I, I think the songs, there's a great leap forward on the songs, but uh, you do get that gorgeous, gorgeous, overdriven Max Norman sound on both of the albums. and uh, and obviously, the other reason they're paired is that, you know, the great Randy Rhodes is the guitarist on these two albums, and then no more after this. You go to Bark at the Moon. And I think uh, oddly, Oddly, I think Bark at the Moon, um, you know, really, really has a, uh, has a pretty consistent through line from Diary of a Madman. I think it's, it's a little more similar to Diary than, um, you know, people would make out because there's the big hoopla around, uh, you know, they, they need a new guitarist. So Jake, Jake Jakey Lee is in there. Um, Now, um, so, so for that reason, I think you get this, this amazing, amazing Randy Rhodes uh, performance and style and tone uh, you know, in conjunction with Max Norman, and they're both done at Ridge Farm, uh, and both records are uh, are the same four players. Obviously, that's a big thing that happens in the Aussie band, is that is that the players do not remain particularly consistent throughout the catalog. Um, but there you go. I think this is a paired album. You've got the same sort of general look, um, you know, using the... Uh, they, they both have the sort of, um, you know, horror show, ghoulish Alice Cooper uh, kind of designs to them as well, as does Bark at the Moon, I suppose. But yeah, the, these two records go together because, you know, essentially um, because because Aussie's such a hit right off the bat, um, there is this uh, the rushing to get the second album out sort of thing. And and it just feels like, you know, all of those tour dates uh, are are kind of weirdly in support of the two albums at the same time time kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Um, So there you go. There's a pairing. Now, does Ozzy have other pairings in his career? I would say um, I've always thought that No More Tears and Osmosis kind of went together as the two big, you know, uh, expensive corporate um, post hair metal. Um, sort of albums that still kind of hung on to a lot of hair metal tropes. Uh, and then after that, I don't, I don't know if you would particularly pair them up, although they do sound fairly similar. But, you you know, you certainly wouldn't put No Rest for the Wicked or Ultimate Sin or Bark at the Moon in any kind of a pairing. All right, uh, let's actually take a short break and we'll be right back. Okay, back again here, History and Five Songs With Martin Popoff, uh, episode 96, part two albums. Um, Let's take a listen to our third selection and we shall discuss. This is Judas Priest with Jawbreaker. All right. So, uh, the defenders of the faith album, I always thought was a good, uh, pairing up album with screaming for vengeance. Um, you had, uh, first of all, you had the similar graphics. So, so both proposed, uh, some sort of a big, uh, mechanical beast situation. Uh, one, one is uh, like a mechanical Eagle and the other one is like a mechanical tank with a head on it kind of thing. Um, so uh so they so they had a very similar look. They both used kind of a odd uh primary or adolescent feeling colors on them, as did Turbo, mind you. Um but Turbo doesn't fit in here at all. Um and uh, and they both used the new stylized logo where it's kind of the same logo but it's the 3D version of the logo, right? Um so you've got that going for it. But um, basically, I think uh, the other reason you have to pair these ones together is that, um, you know, they're not coming particularly uh, quick on each other. I mean, granted, January 4th, 1984 um, for Defenders and and, uh, Screamin' is an 82 album, but... The reason I pair these two together is they have a very, very similar, quite dated Tom Allen production sound with the very mechanized and wet drum sound where it almost sounds like a machine throughout, throughout the whole thing. There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of Dave Holland personality to these. If Dave Holland can be said to have personality as a drummer, there's a big debate right there. Um, but, uh, but no, these songs are, these songs on both of these albums are more about the songwriting and the uh, guitars. And when I say guitars, I mean literally the riffs. We're not talking about particularly great tone. We're not talking about the solos. We're just talking about those two guitars locked in, uh, KK and Glenn uh, creating these riffs. Um, and however many layers of these uh, these riffing uh, distortion pedal guitars there are. Um, So that that really that's really what strikes me about both of these albums, guitars and songwriting more than anything. Um, And uh, and and you do get kind of covering the same uh, bases. You've got your night comes down, uh, kind of lines up with chains as uh, as the lighter end of a, a nascent or pre hair metal sort of sound. You've got the actual hair metal kind of sound in 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 terms of an up-tempo one in rock hard ride free and that lines up with your uh your uh you got another thing coming and devil's child is that what it's called devil's child um and uh and you've also got um you know and this this is uh, this is almost like this reminds me of except when i think of this trope all the time and even saxon you know having those fast ones kicking off albums and things like that um but uh but freewheel burning and screaming for vengeance i always looked at them as uh, brother and sister songs completely um you know you've got a heavy duty on here which doesn't line up with anything on screaming that's more of a lineup with a united and take on the world i imagine and heavy and heavy heavy metal later on uh so this heavy uh, heavy duty slash defenders of the faith deal um. But uh, but yeah, and uh, and you've got your good technical rockers on here, like your Jawbreaker that we played, along with uh, the Sentinel, Love Bites, and Eat Me Alive, which are sort of your electric eye and bloodstone kind of songs. Um, so so yeah, it just does feel like it's hitting the same marks. And, and there's this sort of uh, semi-cynical idea that, uh, while it worked great with the first one, we had a hit with that album. Now we're going to have a hit with this album. And you know, the other thing that just came to me is... Um, the look of the band didn't change particularly much on stage uh between the two presentations of these tours screaming and uh, and defenders um so I think the band more or less looked looked pretty much similarly like the same sort of band, kind of same hairstyles and you know leather and studs and the whole whole bit now does priest have other pairings um definitely i think uh I think obviously jugulator and uh and um Demolition or a pairing because uh they're the two Ripper albums and they actually sound very similar to each other as well. And the only other one I would almost point out is I've always felt that there was a kinship between British Steel and Point of Entry. Actually, that's not the only one. I also will point out, you know, as as we move down in into the debatableness of it, I really I've always thought Sad Wings uh I always thought Rockerola felt like the demo version of Sad Wings, and I always th- felt that the fast, scientific, shrill, and thin uh characteristic uh is in common between Sin After Sin and Stained Class. So there's some there's there's three other pairings that uh, that I almost think you can make with Priest as well. But uh but this is definitely one and probably uh, honestly the most pronounced one is the two Ripper ones, you know, which of course brings up um blaze and uh, and the two maiden ones i mean that's definitely a pairing uh with virtual 11 being the follow-up to x factor and those ones being together and does maiden have other ones um i've often thought you know in a vague sense um i always thought um I always thought uh, Power Slave was kind of part two of Peace of Mind, and I always thought Seventh Son was kind of part two of Somewhere in Time, and I've always thought Fear of the Dark was kind of part two of uh, of what's this no prayer, right? No prayer for the dying. So so those those feel like pairings uh, for me as well, um, but, uh, but yeah, the biggest one in Maiden is is going to be the two Blaze, which lines up with the two Rippers here, um, but that's not what we talked about, is it? We talked about Screaming for Vengeance and Defenders. All right. Let's move on. Um, take a listen to our fourth selection here in part two albums, episode 96. This is Rush with the Big Wheel. Well, I- Right, so um, so this uh, the, this is the where where it sort of came uh, again from the from the Rush uh, discussion I listened to between uh, John and Dan on Two Guys Talking Rush. Um, by the way, they did a great two part episode with my buddy Ralph Chapman, um, you know who was the chief writer on the Rush movie. You, can, you should take a listen to that. Um, but um, so this is from Roll the Bones, which was issued September third, nineteen ninety one. It actually found Rush. Um, having a little bit of a career revival blip. Um, they had had some gold records in a row in the States, RIA certified gold and uh, roll the bones actually um Went platinum, and that was probably, believe it or not, uh, somewhat due to the title track and the hubbub over them having the the, the kind of silly little rap section in it. You know, bad press is, is good press uh, in a way, right? Um, and then they were back to the golds. And and um, one one thing maybe a lot of people don't know: the last three Rush studio albums in a row did not certify at all. They did not even go gold in the states. Um, but uh, but yeah, so this album is very very much. Uh, paired with presto which was issued november 21st 1989 um and both of these albums were produced by rupert Hine, and uh, and who did not produce with them again that's why i didn't want to include another pretty clear pairing in power windows and hold your fire those are produced by peter collins but peter collins actually comes back later as well and doesn't particularly sound like peter collins when he does come back um but these two really go together um, because because uh, Rush has a really singularly uh, signature sound at this point. It's uh, it's uh, backing off a tiny bit on the keyboard. It's 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 that it's that new wave post punk poppiness that they're doing this this odd little dated a lot of a lot of sort of eighties tropes. Um, but uh, but they're off in a strange little world by themselves for these kind of four albums in a row. Um, but on, on Presto and on Roll the Bones, I would say, you know, notch back a little on the keyboards, bring up the acoustic guitars a little bit. Alex is still sort of chimey and uh, wiry like The Fix or Duran Duran. Um, and um, so you definitely have a similarity between these two albums. Now, granted, they are separated by pretty much two whole years actually more than two years two years and two months um, but still I think I think this is a a true pairing in the Rush catalog and again uh, I think uh, Dan and John kind of forced it when they talked about Rush having a sweet spot and I'll go way more into that um, when we uh, went when I have an issue when I have an episode on this idea of cusp albums that I've always talked about which is kind of the similar idea to the sweet spot idea but um, Rush definitely has other pairings um, I've always thought caresses and 2112, Caress of Steel 2112 went together. Uh again just like what I said about Priest, I think Caress of Steel is almost like the demo version of 2112. Um they made two albums in Wales at Rockfield, right? With Farewell to Kings and Hemispheres, I think both of those go together as prog rock tour de forces. I think there's quite a similarity between Moving Pictures and um and Signals. Uh they're both kind of like smooth and assured and kind of corporate sounding. Um, very full bodied, rich sound, uh, and they're both kind of the the studio thing. Um, so that's quite a few pairings. Um, obviously the debut doesn't go with anything. I don't think fly by night goes with anything. I don't think test for echoes or counter, uh, test for echo or counterparts, or certainly all of the last three, uh, belong in any kinds of pairings at all. Um, so yeah, they have some pairings, but definitely they have a lot of albums that don't fit in, in a pairing, but, uh, this one I think definitely did. All right. Let's move on to our last selection. Take a listen to this. This is Metallica with Leper Messiah. All right, so that's Metallica from Master of Puppets, issued March 3rd, 1986. I always thought that Master of Puppets was a part two album to ride the lightning. I think these two albums go together quite well. Uh, There's the obvious, um, they both have... Uh, really kind of interesting, cool, uh, uncompromising, raw, but still weirdly high-fidelity production sounds, but they are different from each other. I think the first one has a little more bass to it. The second one is kind of more uncompromising and more like two big concrete blocks scraping together, very mid-rangey, uh, but they are both Fleming Rasmussen productions uh, recording in Sweet Silence in Copenhagen, right? So there's there's the big deal there, um, and... Um, so I think they're pretty similar in that respect. Uh, they are separated by a fair amount of time. Um, master came out in 84. Uh, how does that work? I think it's 84 for the import version into 85 for the, um, for the American version on mega force. Um, but yeah, um, music for nations, right. Mine, mine was an import, uh, that I had. Um, so there's, there's a fair gulf of time in there. Um, but, but the other reason is that, um, you do have this matching up of tracks. Uh, you've got the big epic, uh, instrumentals in Call of Cthulhu on the first album matching up with, uh, Orion on the second album of this pairing or other second and third album of the catalog. You've got your, um, your, your battery, um, your battery and your damage, uh, incorporated kind of, uh, lining up with your no nonsense thrasher in trapped under ice, which is really the only no nonsense, uh, thrasher on uh, ride the lightning. Um, I think master, uh, master of puppets and creeping death line up together as these sort of up tempo, but not thrash tempo, uh, kind of Epic, a little bit proggy, uh, feeling songs. Um, Uh, So, so yeah, those two, those two have this, this vibe of, um, yeah, very up tempo mid pace, but not super fast. Uh, you've got your obvious welcome home sanitarium and your fade to black as the two, uh, power dirges, um, you know, mellowness kind of suicidally songs, um, and you know, not not power ballads. I I'm, I'm trying to avoid using that term. They obviously don't fit with that. But uh, but that kind of idea as well. And I think I think even your um, leper Messiah, which we played, uh, lines up in terms of a little bit of the big dumb commerciality of uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls and uh, and Escape, which I think is a really un- underrated song on Ride the Lightning. I really like that one. Um, but yes, yeah, so there you go. So I I've always thought that um, uh, they they became absolute masters of heavy metal and thrash and one of the greatest bands of all time when they put out Ride the Lightning. And then they kind of repeated that on master. And the only reason I don't really... Put Master above Ride is because it does have a little bit. Uh, it has too much, and always did have too much of that feeling of a part two. Um, but when we did, uh, when I did the big polls for those books, that uh, top five hundred heavy metal albums of all time, um, Master of Puppets won that poll, so it is it is considered the greatest heavy metal album of all time. Um, does Metallica have other pairings? There's the obvious one in Load and Reload um and uh that is a a true pairing I, I believe yeah isn't that right i mean those songs were more or less recorded together um uh but uh you know with metallica together means over a long time really uh for whatever they do this is a this is a band that's been around a long time but they have not put out a lot of albums right um other than that i i wouldn't say there are any pairings in the metallica uh catalog there too uh, intellectually and creatively curious and they really strive to do different things uh, every time out um, so those are the only two I would say as a pairing so there you go um, honorable mentions I mean I was I was uh, considering doing ZZ Top with uh, Eliminator and Afterburner I mean they even named the album to make you think it was a follow up and, and it also had the similar graphics to it and, and this is their very electronic sound uh, Black Sabbath has a definite pairing in uh, Heaven and Hell and Mob Rules I think those two go together produced by Martin Birch, both of them, even though they have quite different production sounds. Um, And Sabbath, to me, doesn't particularly have any other pairings. All the credit to them. All those first eight Aussie albums, I think, are all very different from each other. Um, I don't think you necessarily have to pair up any of the Tony Martin albums. um, And I don't think any of the other later Ronnie stuff um, uh, l- line up particularly with these two albums as, as well um, Dehumanizer or the Heaven and Hell band I think are different from each other and quite different from these two records so there's another one, there you go uh, if you like this episode and want to, uh, support future episodes, you can go to Kofi rhymes with no fee, dot uh, com slash Martin popoff and hit the red support button. Uh, they got that $3 thing, of course. Um, but yeah, people are doubling up and tripling up on it sometimes, which is very nice. Um. But uh, I'm doing that, obviously, instead of Patreon, so it's the only support for this show. So I do definitely appreciate uh, when I when I see those ko- Kofi Kofis come in. Uh, on that front, I want to thank uh, Black Sugar Transmission, Andy. Uh, actually, our uh, latest episode of Contrarians went up. It's about Frank Zappa, and you can hear uh, for the first time uh, his his uh, spiffy power metal redo of our theme music there. So uh, th- so thanks again uh, there, um, Bruce Campbell. Greg Canillo, Tim Derling, David Fisher, Jeremy French, Michael Lodano, Kevin Latham, Jamie Laszlo, Augustin Garcia de Paredes, and Scott Ray. Um, you can also go to martinpopoff.com for all your book needs. Uh, definitely it's been very, very busy these last few months for books, but the latest ones are the Driven book, the Rush book, man, I've got a lot of, uh, those short little radio interviews coming up next week. Um, for that um, uh, but been shipping those out for a while even though the official release date on uh, on amazon i think is uh is uh, what is it, a couple days from now. Um, and uh, and the sweet book, still got those, still got Flaming Telepaths, and the the whole print idea is working out kind of good in that. Um, so so long story, just selling prints of the 39 illustrations that are in that Flaming Telepaths Imaginals-related book. Uh, and I've still got some of the Angel book. Um, so there you go, martinpopoff.com for that. Um, tell me what you think at the... Uh, at the um History and Five Songs p- Facebook page on all this and uh, tell me if I've got these pairings right and uh, and maybe uh, suggest a few other ones for me. Uh, thanks again. Talk to you next time.
1: Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks find us on facebook at the rnrap we are on instagram at rnr archaeology tweet us at rnr archaeology it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football